There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Check out my summer picks. Here I'm at Total Wine for rosés and Zinfandels. Cool. Here's my boyfriend picking craft beers. Does he work there? Oh, he's more than a summer fling. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. How's it going? How are you? What Thanks up? for coming out. It's Sunday evening. It's the best day of the week. I what? love it. Yeah, it's pretty good, man. It's not the best day of the week. Saturday is the best day of the week. It is. Uh, I'd like to take this opportunity to officially welcome to the show on a full-time basis, the amazing, the lovely, the man behind the curtain just now, <laughs> Dahi Odroni, everybody. Give it up for Dahi. Behind the curtain. You guys are behind the curtain. I was in front of the curtain, <laughs> making sure everything was we okay. We are going to wait longer and just freak you out. Um, <laughs> a, a man who believes that Saturday is the best night of the week. Wasn't last week. <laughs> it wasn't last week. It was. Uh, Dahi, it was a funny uh, thing. played the right venue, <laughs> which was playing, his first yeah. mistake, I think. If, right? if anybody knows the right venue, it's uh, um, a very large uh, Vegas-style nightclub uh, in North Dublin. Vegas-style. It's definitely Vegas-style. Okay, I, yeah. I didn't realize how Vegas-style it was until I actually started playing. Like the staff were like absolutely lovely. They got me up and set me up and like were like treating me like an absolute VIP. I felt like a David Goetta type. Uh, and then a while G-man. I was playing, <laughs> a twat, exactly. And then while I was playing, there was like a, I was I, I was playing away. I was up on, on top of my uh, on, on where my table is, and like there's no kind of I'm up on stage, so I don't have any control of what like what's going on. A guy comes in behind me, and he like has like a, a confetti cannon, and like shoots confetti over my head into the crowd like consistently. And I was like, what the Surprise fuck is confetti. this? Confetti. Yeah, like I wasn't prepared <laughs> for it at all, and I like I couldn't say anything because I was concentrating on playing. So I was like, okay, well I can't get any worse than that. So then next thing, uh, these 
these three women in corsets and in thongs like walk out from the side of the stage. Dahi's angels, yeah. Dahi's angels, exactly. <laughs> I, I, like, and that's what it looked like. It looked like I had set up these like three um, dancers to come out and like go out in front of me and, and basically do a dance over one of my drops. Uh, and then I was like, it couldn't possibly get anywhere. So it couldn't possibly. Get Next fucking thing. A dude in stilts and a suit stands up and starts walking in between them with lasers on his hands and juggling. So, like, the lasers were, like, shooting out from either side, like, out over the audience. And, like, there's me in the middle playing, like, Mary Keane's introduction. Like, it was absolutely the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. See, what you didn't know about the show is that it's actually going to be a VH1 storyteller's kind of behind the music thing. (laughs) Dolly's going to take us through the best gigs of his life. Uh, I'm forgetting my manners. I forgot to introduce my amazing co-host. First of all, we have Craig... Brexit definitely isn't happening, lads. <laughs> Fitzpatrick. I stand by that. I stand by that. <laughs> still hasn't happened. So hang, on, I mean, hang on, do you stand by that? Yeah, have you, have you checked your, happening. Have you checked I your st- phone in the last two hours? Um, no, I've, I've, I've got some exciting news for you, Craig. It's, it's happening. happening. It's happening. All right, I'll yeah, believe yeah. when I see it. And uh, Cole Morrigan, who will, who will make sure that we don't get on the politics side of things too often. <laughs> how are you? Get I'm good, buddy. How are you? No. So yeah, thanks for coming. Uh, as noted, my name is Dave Hanratty, and tonight we will also have uh, some amazing special guests. We will have Paddy Hanna on stage in a few minutes telling us about opening up for Billy Ocean, which I'm very much looking forward to finding out about, and he'll be playing some songs as well. And we have Lil Vargan, and we've got Christian Tierney, so stick around. But first... Having paid in. <laughs> Stay in <laughs> your seats leave. and get yeah. your money's worth. Yeah. Uh, but first, a film review. Dahi and I went to the cinema this week. Uh, not together. Without though. us? Not to- no, separately. We went oh, separately, separately. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I thought you'd replace Dave Higgins, who's usually nobody. Yeah. Nobody <laughs> no ever the show Dave replace Dave yeah. Higgins. Yeah, we went to see A Star Is Born, and the reason I'm bringing that up because we talked about it on the show last week, and I was like, I don't know, man. I don't know if I can suspend my disbelief and buy into Lady Gaga as this kind of, you know, small town person who also turns out is a great singer. But I will say. I thought she was fucking amazing. Give her the Oscar now. She was very good. The acting was very good. The uh, the direction was very very good. It's a bad film. Oh, it's, it's a bad film. Would you go as far as bad? It's getting five stars everywhere. Man. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's wrong. Everyone's wrong. <laughs> Uh, it, it, there's a lot of issues with that film like there's all this weird stuff like she seems to be three different characters like at one point she's hitting people for recognising uh, her new boyfriend and then next thing like you know suddenly everything's fine and then there's, there's all this like random stuff where you know it, the big kind of overarching like kind of theme is like you're supposed to like write music about what you know and then like really kind of bring it from the heart and you, you need to have something to say spoiler alert she never really had something <laughs> to say sorry that is spoiler alert probably yeah yeah well that was the overriding theme so it was all good uh, but that like kind of never really came to the fore it never really finished off yeah did I don't you know. like it did you uh, like it I didn't hate it you said I would I, it seemed like the type of film that Dave Hannity would absolutely hate. Why? What was that? I don't know. Because everyone was giving it five stars. Yeah. Probably, yeah. That's, it's, that's actually, like, yeah. No, that's I mean, like, that's, part of it. that's a generalization, and I'm, and, <laughs> and I'm not really here for it. No, it's fine. It's grand. It's uh, insanely fucking melodramatic to the point where, like, by the end of it, I was like, oh, really? Like, oh, th- I, this can't get any worse for him. Oh, okay, yeah, it did. Yeah, it got, it got pretty bad there at the end. Uh, and I found myself being like, why is Bradley Cooper doing like this kind of strange Sam Elliott impression? And then Sam Elliott shows up as his brother. And I was like, no, it's brother. And they make a joke about that. That was actually fine. I, I can't dismiss the sense that it's one big vanity project for Bradley Cooper. 
I mean, it's his debut direction. Like, I mean, it, it has to be, right? Like, if you, Greg, yeah. you look perturbed. <laughs> should, should I go to the cinema for like the fourth time this year? Is it worth stretching to? No. No, okay. It's a stream it illegally on a Sunday morning type okay. job. Is it just like Oscar bait? Yeah, kind of, but it's fine. It has its moment. The first hour is pretty good. Okay. It it's might very be, long. It might be worth going for the, um, like the, the lead actors are incredible actors, but God, her manager. If anybody's going to see it, like, just wait for this manager that she gets, this English manager. A literal cartoon character pops up halfway <laughs> through the film. And it, yeah, he's evil because he works for the music industry. So. <laughs> yeah. English music industry person. It yeah, I mean, evil. it's grand. It's fine. I think that song, though, that lead song that is like all over the place is a pretty bad song. And that's the thing, because Bradley Cooper's playing this guy who's basically like this, I suppose, modern day equivalent of like the fucking Almond Brothers or something. And he's like okay. selling out. But yeah, yeah, but he's selling it like Glastonbury. And I'm like, Trosis who voice. is going to see this guy? It doesn't like it doesn't fit at all. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's not great. Bradley Cooper said he's not going to release his own like album off the back of it. Should he? Is he that good? Uh, I don't know. He's doing all these weird interviews where he won't reveal anything about himself, and he's saying to like the journalists, he's like, oh, so you might." He, but but he's own. saying like he goes, "I mean, like you're the one who's going to write this story. I've no control over it." And it's like <laughs> it's a fucking interview. Like that's the whole. Why are you doing it with the New York Times? But yeah. the, the actual soundtrack itself is like at the top of the charts. Is it? It's like yeah, the yeah probably. Yeah, it's broken some kind of streaming record, but is. who knows? Without moving fully away from Hollywood. Uh, ben Stiller talking about his oh, old yeah. school band are releasing an EP uh, coming up. It's, <laughs> called, it's called Capital Punishment. Or, sorry, they're called Capital The band Punishment. are called Capital Punishment. They haven't what, played together in like 36 years or something. Yeah. This is the thing. Every actor is back in music and doing musical stuff. David Duchovny's over, or has he been? No, he's coming over. Kiefer Sutherland was over earlier this year with his brand of whiskey-soaked blues. Fantastic. Yeah. Ben Stiller's bands, what, are they like a hardcore? What, I think they're a punk, punk band, yeah. Okay. It, more to the point, though, I was reading about them last night because, you know, you are curious who was Ben Stiller friends with in high school. One of them is a Supreme, ju- a Supreme Court judge in Arizona. No way. One of them is like this high-powered lecturer in University College London. And then one of them is like a part-time app developer slash documentary maker. It's like so. the most dorkiest band I've ever heard in my life. I know, and it really does make you worry if you're going to be the one out of four that ends up being a failure. <laughs> Uh, probably a good time to bring Paddy Hanna onto the stage, I would say. So, uh, old Padge, if you're in the building, he said he'd be in the building. Yeah, is he yeah, in the building? He's, he's in the wings. Is he? he's, 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 wings? he's waiting in the wings, so he's okay. going to... I'm going to go find him. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I think the door is... The door just, the door just mysteriously opened by himself. There's a knock at the door. He's going up for Paddy Hanna, everybody. <laughs> is it Paddy Hanna? How are you? It's good. All I could hear was rah, 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 coming from the door, so... But I heard man. I was like, that's definitely my name. So here I am. <laughs> yeah, it's like semaphore or something. Uh, Welcome, Paddy Hanna. Yeah, how's it going, guys? You said before that you're a tremendously antisocial person. So um, prepare to be interviewed by three people on a couch on a stage. I don't, um, care, for, I don't <laughs> care for this at all. <laughs> we had a. We, we, we don't want to pull the curtain back too much, but I guess that is the theme of the evening. We had a whole d- debate downstairs about should Paddy wear a hat or should he go hatless. And I feel like we've made the right decision. Most definitely. My face isn't interesting enough. I need to put something on it. It's a a good look. Um, As noted, you've just come back from a two-night stand with Billy Ocean, playing with him, not necessarily dating him. On a stage again, yeah. (laughs) How was that? He's a fascinating individual. Um, I can't comment on him personally because I did not meet him. Uh, he was sequen- Oh, I thought you had to really? sign legal documents or something. Oh, no, sir. I mean, I might as well have. He was sequestered away in a fancy pants room. We uh, the, were 
we got to hang out with their band. They were all very sound. The only anecdotal piece of evidence or th that I can tell you is that he's very specific about cups. As in, like, he's against them, or...? When we were in Belfast, <laughs> they had given him a cup of tea, and the cup was too small, so he demanded a larger cup. Oh, my God. He had one of the runners go down to Dunstores and buy, like, a big World's Best Dad novelty mug <laughs> so that he could have a bigger cup of tea. And that is the only story you're going to hear about Billy Ocean. This is, uh, this is Craig teaching Danny Brown how to use a kettle all over again. It's yeah. my favourite story. When I had to teach um, a, a rapper who was coming off hard drugs how to use a kettle. Yeah, that was a, that was a good moment in my life. Um, it actually was a bonding exercise, really. I'm more thinking that like, it ceased to be a cup and became a mug, so maybe the writer was wrong, right? Like, it's, it's not a, an issue of size, it's an issue of definitions. If you're playing... <laughs> This is, some, this is a, a maze of semantics, Craig, that I, quite frankly, was not ready for. If you're playing the waterfront in Belfast, yeah. and you're somebody that wants a big effing cup, you're you not going to get one in the waterfront in Belfast. <laughs> and I'm sorry, waterfront Belfast, but get larger cups. Are they a strictly small cup venue? They must they? have been like little shot glasses or something. I don't know. I didn't see the damn cups. I just heard the damn story. I saw, I saw, <laughs> I saw a frantic stagehand going, I've got to get a bigger cup. And the sound of little pittery, pattery feet. By the way, I can use that voice. My dad is from Belfast. Right, so. not, it's not racist. It's okay. Absolutely, Dave. You did meet Billy Ocean, but in terms of his fans and interacting with that audience, did they warm to you immediately? I mean, you know, you know like... Did you give them the hat treatment, did you? I, well, I was sans hat for the shows, but I mean, you know, it's, 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 it's a tough gig to do. He's yeah. a, got a lot of number ones and all this, and I'm... Uh, an Egypt with an acoustic guitar. It's always going to be a challenge to play to that kind of crowd. We did our darndest. And listen, I can be a bit crass when I perform. I like to, uh, like, if I'm playing to like a few drunks in a basement somewhere, I'm not above shouting at them and berating them if they're chattering too much. And I just a think it's. preview there for. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. This is a fine crowd. But I was, uh, I was uh, very much, because I was playing in like an opera house and Vicar Street and stuff, I was, I was so polite, nauseatingly polite. I was like Dolly Parton level polite. It was uh, so wonderful to be here in this fine town with all these wonderful people. <laughs> the people of Belfast, you're in my heart tonight, you know, and they're like, <laughs> it was, I, you know, I, it was, uh, I, I've seen the other side of the curtain now, the polite side. Hey, it's not too bad, you know. I didn't feel disingenuous. And I didn't go off stage feeling like maybe I was a bit harsh on that poor person who was talking to a friend. Maybe they were talking about a funeral they had just gone to. And then suddenly I'm like, hey, shut up, man. I'm trying to make a living here. You know, and it, you know, it's, 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 uh, you know it's, it's a nice feeling to leave a stage knowing that you didn't hurt anyone's feelings. Yeah. So you played That's with the end Bill goal, yeah. Yeah, you played with Billy Ocean and you learned manners. It was essentially the takeaway. I learned a valuable lesson today. Yeah. <laughs> I interviewed Billy Ocean once. He's a, a nice man on the phone, at least. I also was separated from him via the form of telecommunication. And essentially, <laughs> I closed it off. I, I did the classic dickhead journalist thing of, like, I want to get out of this interview, you know, in a, in a good frame of mind. So I said, hey, Billy, before I let you go, I was like, I have to ask you, man, what do you do when the going gets tough? I'm did, terrible. Did I know. you actually do that? I did actually. I'm, I'm a horrific human being. Did you what get fired as a result? <laughs> yeah, I was immediately fired. <laughs> yeah. uh, but he said to me, he said, I do what the song says. 
the tough get going. And oh, I mean, that doesn't make any comeback. sense. <laughs> At which Hold point on. it was like, <laughs> like dead phone line. The fact he gave you that answer is enough, right? Yeah, it's not great of me, is it? It's it like should be of... said as well, in terms of things that Billy Ocean hates, that's got to be around about small cop level of hatred, that question, at this stage of his career. Yeah, I think it was yeah. fine. I think it was okay. I think I did all right. They did yeah. that when they played, though. The saxophone player who was kind of like his hype man was like... Uh, He'd be like, hey, Billy, I got a question for you. What would you do if the going got tough, you know? And he'd be like, I don't know. And then it would go, do, 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 do. And it would jump into the song. So I wouldn't feel too bad about it, Dave. You so know? what I was lacking was a saxophone player for... Uh... <laughs> no, just a saxophone, basically. <laughs> yes, you could have yeah. been that guy. Quick question, Paddy. Uh, a lot of people are starting to talk about the Choice Music Prize next year coming up. A lot of people are saying Frankie Amutate should be on the shortlist. Do you agree? Look, come on, man! You can't. You can't yeah. this, is, this is this is me getting out of the interview with a good question. This is gotcha journalism at its absolute worst, dude. Come on, I can't you answer that. It's not. It's not for me to decide. It's for the the, the paps and the journos to decide. All uh, right, lads? Ask, ask me, Dave. Uh, Craig, do you think Paddy Hanna's album should be on the Choice Music Prize shortlist? No comment. Yes, of course it should be. It's a terrific record. Yeah. Very good. Thank you. I appreciate Thanks, that. Appreciate that. Well, we're going to hear some of that now in a live setting, and we're going to awkwardly shuffle off the stage. Uh, so give it up. Paddy Hanna's going to play some tunes. All right. ever worse than a second guess Heads dozing but the nose still laugh awake Oh, I was reeling from the sugar of the dark hand Took a minute to believe in something I don't know Why don't you walk away And leave everyone smiling today I'm confused, not afraid That everybody's smiling Is smiling but you What else can I do? In the gaff of Yates Soldier betterment for spewing on a microphone Oh, I can only see my future in a telescope If I knew what you were thinking, I would crawl home why don't you walk away and leave everyone smiling today? I'm confused, not afraid that everybody's smiling, but smiling but you. Oh, I'll never be wiser than to lose the kisser. Oh, 
better than Kildare Pedro the drum hey! I'll never be smarter than Gav the stealer oh. or kinder than Rhino White the player they were all my timely makers so I might as well take talking I should just play uh, hats burn myself out with the chatter there should always be a couch on the stage all right okay here we go 
sometimes I dream of living Only want to dream for two And when the night turns its back on you, sugar I'll be there with my worn-out shoes Try to pull myself together Pestilent nature of truth Always blind to the feeling Only ever shine on the good Because I don't know about tomorrow Don't hurt at all Don't cry before morning That's what living's for There might be something better Oh, I don't know yet I better find myself someone to call When everyone's alone And all I can see is I love you Fault tops in the season Every single thing spot too Never really one for the dancing But that's just what I'm gonna do Thought it was the year of forgiveness We have nothing left to lose So I'm gonna swing right from the fences Sure every last dream with you because I don't know about tomorrow oh that don't hurt at all don't cry before the morning that's what living's for there might be something better oh I don't know I better find myself someone to call when everyone's alone and all I can see is I so much Belfast you've all been so fine to me what a beautiful city it's come straight to my heart Hollywood folks that's how you make the big books you don't make a grander show by calling people <laughs> fools do you <laughs> tell them you love them and you get that fat check <laughs> but 
but you don't sleep at night, do you? <laughs> so you gotta weigh that shit up. So it's either sleeping pills or honesty. Your call. This song is called Bad Boys, and then I'm gonna run through that door and uh, drink complimentary beers. Thanks for that, by the way, lads. Mississippi with the real, real toys Up the Mississippi Cause of all their time And all their crime That you could only fathom with a terrible lie Cause he's a likely He's not really likely, he's a con man And everyone's economy is on the line All the time But you could only see it till you cover your eyes and say I'm the kind of person who is like A cornered animal when he is right but if you want to leave me when it's true I'll try to pay attention to the bad boys Up the Mississippi with the real, real toy Up the Mississippi cause of all the time And all the crime That you could only fathom with a terrible life Cause he's a likely He's not really likely, he's a calm man And everyone's economy is on the line all the time But you could never see it Till you cover your eyes and say I don't think it's right to call a song After everything that you've done But if you won't leave me when it's right I'll try to be the one who stays bright Mississippi cause of all the time and all the crime that you could only fathom with the terrible lie because of bad boys up the Mississippi with the real real toy up the Mississippi cause of all the time and all the crime that you could only fathom with the terrible lie because to water over. Thank you. Uh, one more time for Paddy Hannah, please. Give it up. That was awesome. 
the strange magic of Patrick Hanna. I wish I was cool as Paddy Hanna. I think we all Very wish cool. we were as cool as Paddy Hanna. Yeah. So yeah, um, I must say the seating situation uh, intrigues me. Okay. It feels Not like way. it just feels like it's a blind date type thing, and I'm gonna like you know auction you guys off one by one. Oh really? Auction us off. Is that how blind date works? With the crowd? <laughs> <laughs> it was a, a bartering system, wasn't no, it? No, what's like, supposed to be is you're not supposed to be able to see us. Oh, okay. And then you have to pick one of us. Yeah. I think you're talking. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think you're thinking of cattle marts. <laughs> <laughs> Cullum, I am always. He's thinking yeah, confused. Yeah, but yeah, Silla yeah. Black also confused. used to host. I've the gotten 90s, this wrong. Yeah. Okay, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> I didn't get to bed until nine this morning, and I've just knocked back a beer. So rock and roll. Legend. He's telling everyone that. Dave went out at half one in the morning. I'm just trying to explain that like, if my performance is a little bit ramshackle this evening, um, you know, on the night that I have a fucking live show, I've prepared very well. You're so always a professional. It's fine. Always a professional. And uh, with, like, what better way <laughs> than to move into the, the news, the music news of the week? And there really is only one place to start. Um, it's a strange story, but um, I'm going to do my best to get through it. Uh, I've had, admittedly had some struggles even reading the script earlier on, but it'll be fine. Uh, capitalism enthusiast, Dragon's Den fixture, and definitely not the next president of Ireland, Gavin Duffy. Well, hold on. I don't know if you can say that. I mean, you have to remain somewhat impartial before no, we the, all cast our ballot. The opinion polls, man. No, I, I think in terms of a prediction, that's reasonable. He's got 4% in the current polls. Michael D he's, has he's 70, building. by the way. He's got what momentum. He's got momentum yeah. behind the thing that they're going to play when he gets elected, where they like pull it back and he's like, he's assume, never going to get it. No, I assume that in the rest of the world, they assume that Ireland is a bit like North Korea or something where it's had the existing president has more than 70% of the poll. <laughs> this is though uh, legitimately about, yeah, about music, I swear. Uh, Gavin is, uh, Gav to his friends, is just <laughs> the latest in a long line of people to fall afoul of that great modern ill, old tweets coming back to haunt them. Yeah, bad Rookie times, move. bad times. On the 25th of June 2017, Gavin Duffy took to Twitter and said, Happy birthday, Ariana. Grande, of course. Born hashtag on this day in 1993. Full stop. No doubt there'll be little celebration following the terrorist attack at her Manchester concert. That's the entire tweet, along with a graphic, a very colourful graphic saying Ariana Grande 24 today. The graphic really it. made it, I feel. Yeah, yeah the graphic yeah. really like, Check it out if you can. raises lots of questions. Like, is this an in-house job? Is he doing it himself? So people kind of cottoned on to this and they were like, you can't possibly represent Ireland with strange tweets like this. And he was hitting back being like, I'm just trying to point out that she's gone through an awful lot of bad things on, and it's her birthday now. I'm just, it's a nice message. But, but, yeah. he, but he also like, he kind of, he says like, I do this on this day thing all the time. But, and that like sets up the threat that he might do it while he's a president. It is true that he does this on this yes. day thing all the time. Craig has uh, sourced three prime examples of it and uh, asked Dave to read some of them out. Yeah, Dave, come on. This okay. was a particular trouble this afternoon. Okay, so yeah, these are actual tweets made by an actual human being who is running for the actual presidency <laughs> of the Republic of Ireland. Uh, on this day in 1999, do you remember it? Hashtag Posh and Bex. David Beckham and Victoria Adams got married in Lustrelo Castle in Dublin. Happy 19th wedding anniversary to them both. That's grand. That's wholesome. That's fine. That's, you know, yeah, that's a good. There was also again a graphic. There was a graphic. Was, yeah, yeah. yeah like, what was the graphic? It was Posh and Bex, um, looking very 90s and very just. Did you have like the brill some... cream hair thing going on? Yeah, yeah. It was the whole kind of blonde tips. Things, right. and, yeah. Different times. Good. Uh, hashtag on this day, 1979. Musical notes emoji. I don't like Mondays. Enter the UK charts. It is shocking to think all of the American high school children and students who have been murdered in hashtag school massacres <laughs> since this song, inspired by the Cleveland Elementary School Massacre that year. Watch the video. <laughs> Watch the video. 
<laughs> Sensation. I don't oh understand. Like, yeah. like, he's I, trying to be really that sincere. Was, so so that's, that's worse than the Ari Grande. Ari, Ari so Grande, much worse. Right? I went looking for these tweets because like, okay, we need to give Big Gav a fair shake here, right? <laughs> Big Gav. Is there some context? Was it just a weird tweet or Once is it something? Yeah. Day, like, but apparently this is a little Twitter segment he's got going yeah, on. Yeah. But what's more as well, he has like such good graphics that it's clearly not just <laughs> such good here. graphics. <laughs> well, no, but as in like, graphics. I mean, it say, ain't, what, say what you want about his tweets, but his graphics, man. <laughs> Holy well, shit. it ain't him rocking the Photoshop no. here. I mean, I was willing to give him the benefit of the doubt that this was just an old person who doesn't really know how to use social media. You know, it's the, not that old. Well, no, but like the same pattern, you know, that sees like loads of American kids getting greetings from Grandpa and Grandmaster Flash yeah, because yeah. Grandma is autocorrected. And he's also old enough to just forget that like Twitter works this way because he got so worked up when somebody just retweeted a retweet from ages ago. He was he like, did, what are you yeah. doing? Why would like, they do this? Why <laughs> would people old on know Twitter? Better, dog, yeah. That's what you're trying to say. But the yeah, last one, the last one, the last yeah, one uh, very close to home for me, uh, proud loud man that I am. He said, uh, <laughs> long before smartphones, for an activity in education, tens of thousands of Irish children went on school tours to hashtag Drogheda to see the head of St. Oliver Plunkett, who was hanged, drawn, and quartered on this day in 1681. Were you on one of those tours? <laughs> That's you see, he's trying to get a conversation. They call that a call to action, Craig. <laughs> That's what that is. They want CTA to like, yeah. at the end of that tweet, CTA, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so definitely going to be the next president. He's uh, getting my vote. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> he also had one an, uh, hashtag on this day for Sean Gallagher, ironically enough, oh, wishing wait. him a happy 54th birthday. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, uh, presidential election in a couple of weeks. I'm sure the turnout's going to be pretty big. You know? <laughs> Hot takes. It's going to be pretty good. But uh, yeah, also in like... I guess, elder statesman news, Craig. You've dug up a grave this week. Yeah, I mean, Leonard Cohn, he's still dead. Uh, I haven't dug him up. But there's a poetry book coming out of some of his collected works from prior to his passing, obviously, um, because he wouldn't be able to write them once he was... Oh, my God, move on. Unless we... Dig up, Craig. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. The Flame is coming out, um, but one notable kind of poem that was included was a poem entitled Kanye West is Not Picasso. This was composed in March uh, 2015, and this is around the time Kanye West was very much proclaiming himself to be Picasso and Steve Jobs and Walt Disney and was there anyone else? Leonardo da Vinci? The real question is which one of you guys is going to do a dramatic reading of the poem? Well, I think it has to be Craig, really. <laughs> it has to be Craig. I, I'm not sure Craig I want this Kanye. on the record. Like, this, this, this is, is, this is Whoa, whoa you this didn't is, write is, the poem. Yeah. Like, this is Craig on Kanye West is not Picasso. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, I'll read the poem. Jesus Christ, this is turning into a poetry <laughs> reading. Really dramatic now, really dramatic. You're the third performance actor. All right, all right. I'm channeling Leonard Cohn, but not in a weird way, because he's still dead. (laughs) Kanye West is not Picasso. I am Picasso. Kanye West is not Edison. I am Edison. I am Tesla. Jay-Z is not the Dylan of anything. I am the Dylan of anything. I am the Kanye West of Kanye West. The Kanye West of the great bogus shift of bullshit culture from one boutique to another. I am Tesla. I am his coil, the coil that made electricity soft as a bed. I am the Kanye West Kanye West thinks he is when he shoves your ass off the stage. I am the real Kanye West. I don't get around much anymore. I never have. I only come alive after a war, and we have not had it yet. It's very I Am the Table by Lou Reed, isn't it? That was intense. I really hope hope somebody walked in the middle of that and had no (laughs) context whatsoever. And it's like, oh, great, Craig's having a break. Keep the 13 euro. (laughs) So, yeah, to that person who walked in, what were the major themes and issues of that (laughs) poem? In 800 words. A massive dig, or was he being, like, is there layers to this that I'm not grasping? I I don't get poetry, mate. 
uh, at all. S- says the bloke like, with an English degree, but I just don't. Like. I think it's gonna t- t- like stand the the test of ages, isn't it? It's like, I mean, it's still on March two thousand fifteen. It's still it's still relevant. I mean, now, I mean, let's, <laughs> let let us face it. In terms of you know slightly confusing Kanye West stuff this week. It's nowhere near the top of our list anyway. (laughs) I really don't want to get into it, man. I know, but Drake has got into it a little bit over the weekend. He was interviewed by LeBron James as part of a new HBO series in which he talked about, I guess, trusting Kanye West and coming back to regret that uh, after the Pusha T beef over the summer. Um, Drake basically said that he played Kanye a track of his, he showed him a photo of his son, talked about problems in his personal life, and obviously the story of Adidon seemed to regurgitate a lot of what he'd thought he'd been confiding in you. Imagine like like telling something to Kanye West in confidence. Like, <laughs> I know. It's the I know. dumbest thing I've ever heard in my yeah. life. Uh, I, uh, I don't know if I believe Drake. I yeah, I mean, uh, look, look, the real takeaway here is LeBron James having this kind of forum. I mean, would that we could all like open up <laughs> wistfully and reflectively to LeBron James. He seems like a pretty good listener, in fairness. Well, he was getting his haircut at the time. And he had a like, big yeah. glass of red going on, like a real yeah. like, fucking goblet. Well, actually, white TV actually the famous. best bit was Drake getting quite emotional um, talking about how uh, he has a diss written, and it would have been great. Oh, he would have got him. Them guys, <sighs> so good. The he would have It was too good. So <laughs> so he called LeBron, right? And it was to basically say, I hope I'm not disappointing you, but I'm not going to release it. And did so this whole weird, like, da- like, I'm sorry, Dad, but I don't want to disappoint you, but I'm not going to release this diss track. And then LeBron's like, yeah, I was kind of hoping you'd release the diss track. <laughs> Drake got a lot of sympathy for this. A lot of people are saying, see, he does have a personality and is human. And we've all been there. But then like the next night on his tour, he brought Chris Brown out on stage as a special guest, uh, which is not the move. I he, seems think. To be, he seems to have a special guest for every single night, though. He just seems to be going every city and picking just like one person. Like, yeah, so he runs out a decent human being. He runs out a decent human being after a while. Is he going to go play the right venue? or is that? The real question is, are you going to play the right venue again? I mean, like, I gonna, gonna, yeah. if, if they ask me back, I'll, uh, I'll have some uh, more stringent have directions questions, yeah. before, before, the sit, before I get on stage. But, Can uh, I be the stilt dude? You can be the... Yeah. I'm so, I would You're so already amazing. the stilt dude. You're already way taller than us. like... Yeah. Maybe I'll come out in a corset and dance then, fair <laughs> enough, whatever. Yeah, I feel like the Drake thing, like Drake is above criticism, he's bulletproof, same with Kanye, yada yada. His criticism is dead, I mean, lads. This, uh, from what I can see from Twitter and the way everyone is reacting, like this is him coming out on top after that thing because like after the story of it he done and like Pusha was miles on top, like in terms of like the beef or whatever, but he definitely kind of seems to be kind of, I don't know, um, coming out on top after that. Well, it's uh, probably right a smart it's move given the week that's move. in it as well exactly. to pick yeah, Kanye as your move. target yeah. rather than it's Pusha it because it's pretty easy to get people's sympathies against Kanye right now. It's true. True enough, yeah. Um, before we move on, uh, we're going to have Christian Tierney up for a chat here very, very soon. Looking forward to that. And now, uh, some music journalists are going to give out about people giving out about music journalists. <laughs> Craig, you dug this one out? Yeah, so this is um, music journalist Michael Azarad, who has written a lot of kind of seminal, um, qu- quite seminal, which is a word he doesn't particularly love, uh, books about different bands. So he did Nirvana's Come As You Are. He did Our Band Could Be Your Life, which is fantastic. But his latest is this rock critic law, 101 unbreakable rules for writing badly about music. Um, so I think this is out later this month, but some examples have dropped online. So some things we should never do. Um, feel free to call something an instant classic, even though by definition only time can tell if something is classic. It's true. 
Have we do, have we I'm called something an in, instant classic? Before? I use it all the time. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah, you yeah, do? Yeah, totally. What, oh, yeah. what? What was the last thing you called an instant uh, classic? Joe has it as an instant classic of the day. <laughs> no, we don't. But I'm, but I'm, but I'm glad that you, uh, oh, glad you brought up my day job Joe. there. Uh, we, might, we might as well talk about it. So, like, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, I do write for a popular men's lifestyle website, joe.ie. Uh, you can get that on the phone, I think. Get, get, get the app or some shit. Um, yeah, essentially. Phone. So, okay, so over the weekend, right? I was working the other day and Coldplay, Coldplay are bringing out like a feature length documentary it's by the guy who did the Oasis one Supersonic so which I find really weird because like it's the same deal your man Matt Whitecross he's been embedded with the band since like their first ever practice sessions okay. his footage that goes back all the way so that's kind of cool but I'm like how the fuck did you know like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna film everything, lads. Someday when you absolutely make it, I'll definitely make this thing. Because that was the hook of the Oasis thing. You got to see all this footage that you never saw before. Yeah. But like I think a lot of people do that. I mean, I saw a must-watch documentary recently, which is the MIA documentary. Yeah, and it, it, was it was mainly like the her and the people around her were just obsessed with film and were just always filming random stuff all the time. And I think that's how you kind of end up getting all this footage. Oh, now, so the you, real it, skill is keeping it. Yeah, it's not like a director just taking a, a punt and being no, like, no, no, there's no. some really upset dude that followed Shed Seven around for like. Yeah. 15 yeah, 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 years yeah. and it's just like well, we no can, one wants his footage we can ask Christian Tierney when he comes up here when he's we on will. tour does he film would you himself? would you call the MIA documentary an instant classic I would call it an instant classic see there you go I trapped him but I'm not a journalist so yeah. you know so there you go so basically yeah so Coldplay I wrote a story about it being like good news Coldplay fans here's a documentary but then I thought okay I'm you know this is really boring but I just have to say it so uh, <laughs> I was scheduling Facebook posts for the fucking website right and I put an old thing that I wrote about Coldplay which was definitive proof that Coldplay only yeah. have 11 good songs I was being playful right mm-hmm. put it at one in the morning figured grand it's gap filler no one's gonna click it the next day it fucking blew up and there was all kinds of angry comments left by the Joe readership including one that said um, how do you get a job at Joe.e as a journalist is it like a fucking kinder egg situation <laughs> and I was like that's a pretty good burn thanks very much and then someone was like journalist running out of ideas and I'm like well I think you'll find this was literally an idea that then became an article so <laughs> which actually you were recycling yeah. on this occasion so <laughs> I mean if that's the cap fit if yeah, Paddy yeah, yeah. Hanna's cap fits so, <laughs> I think you'll find Craig that maybe it, it was just <laughs> pointing out the date <laughs> an idea was oh yeah yeah there's all kinds of you know like uh, chicanery going on but uh, the point is Coldplay fans are vicious, man. Yeah. Like, who would have thought? But you knew this before. You can't <laughs> pretend to be surprised now. I thought they might have gotten older and, like, you know, like the had a few is, life it experiences. Wasn't, it wasn't even a particularly like vicious piece. It was a positive piece, really, yeah. right? So, oh yeah, like it was, and, and like it was written in a style to be like ah, wink and a nudge. But I apparently didn't do that. It's very hard so. to get a wink and a nudge. Over it's the fine. The point is, this guy's list of like you know like these are things that you shouldn't do as a music critic. It's really kind of self-effacing and. Yeah, and, and he, also I think he's a bit of a dick. Basically. Well, no, but like I mean, reading it, we do have to say like you know any drum beat that just uses Tom Toms is tribal. Yeah, I've done that. Really I've done that. We've yeah, all been there. I've done that. Yeah. Um, he mentioned Sonic Cathedrals, which I've never done, honestly. And what's You've more, never but, done a Sonic Cathedral. No, but like I'd never used the term Sonic Cathedral. Yeah. Like Stuart Clark, who we all worked with, and and I think we all love like had a full-scale excommunication plan for anybody who was worshipping at a sonic cathedral um have you ever used church of noise no god no church Church of of noise yeah the church of noise sounds like something that could be a thing in america it's a song by the bloody beatroots i'm glad you asked but um (laughs) it's also a terrible music expression that yeah i've definitely used all right is For it what? usually yeah referring uh, to actual I, I, churches I, where there's a gig? Being ironic, on. what? It's, oh, so it's not like just when someone does a gig in a church? No. Okay. No, it's it's when you run out of ways to describe a gig. It was a church of noise in the Workmen's Club. The one that really stands out to That's me here weird. is you can say ephemeral when you mean ethereal, and no one will know the difference anymore anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. 
The point is, I mentioned earlier on. I mentioned earlier on that, like you know, if you're going to watch *A Star Is Born*, you should you should legally stream it. And it turns out that people are still doing that with music, lads. Not everyone's got a Spotify subscription. Yes, but not. The story is so weird. Thirty-eight percent of people still pirate music. Pirate music. Thirty-eight percent of people. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone in the world was uh, surveyed. It's so, it's so like it's just like there's like three steps more than it takes to like get a subscription now, right? Like, I mean. This is actually, was this like a, like the first time myself and Dave Hannity met? Please don't. <laughs> oh, yeah, come on. Get he it out, get it out there, please. He was doing me in Hot Press, and uh, I was uh, signed to a major record label at the time. Oh, were you? I was. How was and, that? Uh, and I had to do one of those things, like, hey, does Dahi uh, listen to my single? And it was an advert on Spotify, and uh, <laughs> Dave did what he did to Patty Hanna there on the last, like, one, and, like, kind of did, like, a hack journalism attack towards whoa, the end. Whoa, 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 I said, is it not weird for you hearing your own voice on Spotify when you're trying to listen to the music? And you went, well, Dave, I pay for Spotify. <laughs> because the inference being, I'm not a cheap prick. Yeah, exactly. So We weren't like, friends, by the way. And then Dahi <laughs> spent all weekend telling all of his friends, oh, man, I totally slammed that journalist <laughs> in public, no less. I, did I thought not. we had a nice moment, but apparently not. No, it's fine. It's Craig, do you pirate music? Are you going to admit to this? Um, I do not pirate music, and I, I frown on people who do pirate music. Um, I've never done any of the sort. Um, so, yeah. And it's, just, it's just easier to get music in other <laughs> ways. Yeah, it's now, just you know, right? you know like, like, like we yeah we we wouldn't ever condone this sort of behaviour. But but then you know we just spend so much time tending to our four different streaming accounts for the purposes of <laughs> exclusive releases yeah. that we just don't have time to yeah. condemn it's anybody tough, else. Guys. It's tough being a music journalist. But but in, um, yeah, no, sorry, it's interesting. It's like 32% is um, people getting music through ripped streams, which is like, just, oh, I don't know. That sounds like a terrible record well, no, but sure, yeah. like, sure, Surely that is the biggest issue, though. Like, as long as you have exclusive releases and the like, yeah, you're, you're going to have people who even do want to pay for music, but just, like, are going to be hamstrung at one point or another. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're talking about like people who are not doing like uh, like Beats One or whatever or the iTunes. Yeah, exactly. As in, like if you subscribe to Apple and somebody releases something exclusively on Tidal, you're gonna have to rip it from somewhere. So or surely that means subscribe that it's like a to bad Tidal and model, then. we've been down that road before. Craig. No, we won't go down it again. In other protecting <laughs> musicians' rights news, friend of the working man Donald Trump has signed the uh, majorly anticipated Music Moder- uh, Modernization Act into law. Dolly, what does this mean for you? <laughs> what does it mean for me? It means absolutely nothing for me. As an American musician. As an American musician. No, it doesn't mean anything musician. to me, really. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't affect my... Um, I like how you brought along yeah. special guests for the occasion. There was uh, Sam, out of Sam and Dave. There was John Rich, everyone's favourite country singer. And uh, one of the Doobie Brothers. Jeff Skunk Baxter. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really glad that sco- there's a skunk in the Doobie Brothers. I didn't realise that. Yeah, yeah. And the main event, of course, was Kid Rock hanging out there. Uh, Trump turned to him and said, do you like this legislation or do you hate it? Kid Rock said, I like it. Yeah, essentially what this is, is <laughs> it's, it's, more, it's, it's more rights for American musicians, like getting royalties and that kind of thing. I can't believe that this is even a thing that he would possibly care about. Why is it even happening? What? Like... I mean, he's I got a lot on his plate. Does does big Donald Trump? You would think. He was having, yeah. having him like a music week where he had like Kanye and and Kid Rock in on the same yeah, week, right? I don't know. Meanwhile, you had Taylor Swift kicking off for the other side. I mean, it's <laughs> it, it's been a music and politics week. It has, yeah. It's uh, my favorite aspect of music. Uh, <laughs> well, the, there's nothing, there's nothing better politics. than a good legislative debate yeah. getting in the way of a few tunes. <laughs> it's always best. But uh, yes, what we're going to do now is we're going to take a very, very quick break. So go to the bar, get a drink. And when we come back, we're going to talk to someone who's been in America in the music scene for the last, <laughs> all, all summer long, really, which is a Kid Rock song, by the way. Don't forget Oh, that it. was great. Uh, thanks very much. <laughs> Cheers, yeah. Uh, Christian Tierney will be joining us after this short break. So please go get yourselves a beverage. Back 
in a minute. Hello, welcome back. How's it going? How are you? Uh, Everybody getting a drink? Everybody thanks settled? Thanks very much. Cheers. Having a good time so far? We're all doing good? Uh, we took this opportunity to let Craig and Colin go, so it's, it's <laughs> yeah, over. Yeah, they're like, gone. Yeah. That's it. I, I, I just wanted to... It, it was time, you know? It was like, it's, <laughs> been, it's been like 136 episodes. Oh, yeah, by the way, yeah, this is the 136th episode of the No Encore podcast, by the way, which is, uh, you know, it's a bit... 136, like, it's a big number. It's important. Big numbers. Yeah. And, um, Congratulations. The last time we did a... Like, thank you. The last time we did, like, a big live show, it was... We went up against LCD Sound System. Remember that? You I were there. I do remember that. I do Dolly remember was that. a performer that night. It was, it was good fun. Uh, tonight, we're up against... The feeling, the feeling are currently <laughs> playing across the river. I hope I haven't like. Uh, I hope there's no feeling fans in the room who are suddenly going to leg it across, like disappear yeah. to the academy. Um, yeah, I'm kind of surprised, aren't you? That like they're still a thing in 2018. The feeling, the feeling yeah. They're grand. They're fine. I'm not looking for you to start beef with the feeling. I'm just <laughs> like a little bit curious. That it's I have no feelings on. Uh, Very good. That's why he, he signed easy. up to the show full time, guys, with <laughs> wordplay like that. But uh, please welcome our next guest. This is Christian Tierney, everybody. I'm sure some of you have probably seen Christian Tierney's photography before. He's an absolutely incredible photographer, one of the best in the country, in my opinion. Um, Christian, like you... Uh, Two days ago on Twitter, you said that it was your favorite, and now I'm de- downgrading it to one of, the, one of your <laughs> this guy, This guy took a photo, man, and it just blew my mind, you know? It was really, really good. Um, Christian, like, for anybody who doesn't really know, I mean, I mean, you're a pretty young dude who's done an absolutely huge amount of stuff over the last while. Do you want to give us like, kind of like a rundown of maybe how you got started and, and where you're at now? Kind of? Yeah, I'm... Um, I was 22 this week. I started when I was 14 doing music videos. Um, I used to make skate videos as a kid, and then uh, a rapper in Dublin saw one of them when I was 14 and wrote to me. I had no idea I was 14 and was like, do you want to make me a music video? And I was like, he's, he's like, I'll give you 50 quid, and I'd never gotten money for anything before, and I was like, absolutely. So uh, <laughs> I've always been like obsessed with music and obsessed with video and photo, and I was like, somebody wants to pay me to put my two favorite things together, I'll do it. So on my uh, last day of second year, my dad drove me into town to do the shoot. I showed up and the guy was like, holy shit, you're way younger than I thought you were going to be. <laughs> and, uh, but he trusted me and I did it and he was happy. And I was like, this is great. I'm just going to see if I can do this. I never thought of video being a job or a photo being a job. Yeah. And it was the first time I kind of realized maybe it could be. And then I started a YouTube channel. Then a year later, started recording live sessions and interviews and stuff with artists that I thought were were really good and weren't getting the attention. Like that YouTube channel was quite well known for kind of catching people before they really, really blew up. Yeah, Um, so... I think James Bay was probably one of them, right? Yeah, I think Macklemore was probably the first one when I was 15. He came to Dublin to do a show in the Academy. uh, Before the album came out. It was. We met there, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Dahi was the amazing support act. I was the support act, yeah. 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 Is uh, this about you, Dahi? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to rein that back, okay? Christian, don't mind him, okay? (laughs) Continue. Okay, I'm talking to you now, Dave. Hey, man, uh, how's it going? How are you? <laughs> yeah, and uh, did that, and then I was finding it hard to get, like, managing companies and labels and stuff to let me work with their artists because I was 15. Uh, and then the second... <laughs> and so I, once I saw that I worked at Macklemore, like, just after I worked with him, Thrift Shop came out, the album came out, he blew up into one of the biggest stars yeah. in the world. And um, then they were like, oh, we've we've worked with him so we'll let him work with somebody else a little bit bigger and then just kind of built and built and built and then the same thing happened with James Bay when he was uh, like just signed a record deal played a show in Dublin to like 40-50 people uh, did a video with him that blew up got like 6 million views it was the first ever recording of Let It Go which ended up being his biggest song um, and that was kind of like a team I suppose I was I just 
ended up being good at spotting artists. That, that just yeah, that just kind of sounds like you were just a massive, massive music fan who kind yeah, of yeah, saw the writing time. on the wall before. Yeah, big time. And did. like, I kind of saw it more as like, um, like I knew that people were there to listen to the music rather than to watch the videos. So yeah. like, um, but then as I did that, I start. I used to always do the videos usually in like sound checks and before the gig, and artists would be like, "Do you want to stick around and?" take some photos you can, you can have a photo pass if you want it's like cool Cause photography was just kind of a hobby on the side and then I ended up one being better at photography than I was at video and two enjoying it a lot more um, and around that time where I started getting booked for photography jobs uh, record labels changed all their policies around like filming sessions with major label artists so the kind of YouTube channel became a bit unfeasible financially so um, it kind of happened at a nice time I was like cool I'll go full into photography I'm enjoying it more anyway yeah. and then just started getting booked by loads of artists to work directly with them and uh, a lot of festivals and stuff like that and yeah you got that really well known kind of around Ireland as the, like the one person that people were kind of going to for, for festival photography I started like getting that. booked a lot yeah for Longitude Electric Picnic and Forbidden Fruit and all these things and uh, then over that's kind of the last like maybe three years and it's really photography's kind of taken off yeah and then just kind of just during that then you started kind of building up into there's some mad story where you kind of you sent a message to Conor McGregor's management company or something like that. Yeah, no, he started a he started a website called themaclife.com to release like Conor McGregor content, vlogs, news, stuff like that. And uh, I saw that a friend of his was like recording videos, and uh, he was just like a friend of his that had a camera. And I I said I found out who was running the website. Turned out it was one of his mates. Just added him on Facebook, sent him a face message, and was like. I, here's who I've worked with I've took these photos of Kendrick Lamar recently other stuff Macklemore and uh, was like I think I could help help take the quality of the videos and stuff to the next level and he came back in about 20 minutes and was like do you want to come and do a trial with Connor?" and I went to Belfast with him for like a live appearance thing he was doing made a video for him and he really liked it and um, yeah and then it just kind of spoiled from there uh, went to the Grand National with him for a weekend um during his break when he was when his uh, girlfriend was having the baby and then it kind of went quiet for a while he wasn't really doing much and then he started training for the, the Mayweather fight and they were like do you want to come on board for the Mayweather fight and film kind of um, like documentary style web episodes for that and then uh, spent most of 2017 with him and then yeah that kind of it must have been really really weird to be in that kind of team you don't really seem like the type of person who'd be <laughs> Hanging out with those lads. Yeah, if he felt a little bit out of place, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not much of a fighter, but uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was good. It was amazing, and that kind of put my work in front of kind of like a global audience. Yeah, for, yeah. Like, I went from like people around Ireland and working with like some pretty big musicians and stuff, but all of a sudden, 20 million people were seeing my photos every day. 20 million people were watching my videos, um, and it was a. Uh, people started reaching out to me left right and center and um brought a lot of attention and yeah it was great uh, a lot of artists who probably wouldn't have been interested in working with me before the second they found out i was working with conor mcgregor was like absolutely and like i did i did longitude um around then as well just before i went to vegas with him and like the second that an artist that was playing i found out i was working with conor mcgregor they were like oh let's let's work together and met like Jeezy, and he was a big conor mcgregor fan and then i when i went to la he like brought me to his gig and stuff like that to shoot him and like that all kind of came from that kind of validation of like oh he's he's done yeah. shot with McGregor so. but like the validation is definitely one thing right but it's definitely kind of 
I mean, you're sending messages constantly, right, to people? Yeah, big time. When I started the YouTube channel, I literally just looked at the MT MCD listings and sent a message to the manager of every single artist who was coming to Ireland on tour until one of them replied. And, like, none of them would reply. Then maybe one in 50 would reply. And then as soon as I do one video, then I have more to show for it. And then maybe two out of 50 reply. And then kind of builds and builds and builds. But, um, yeah, I think just putting yourself out there is definitely the biggest thing. And that's what worked for me, yeah. Yeah. I think like I mean being in the orbit of those kind of people and I mean unless you're on tour and we will get to your kind of touring life that you've recently experienced in just a, a few minutes um, like the lack of time must be really like strange I mean because like you're brought into this kind of thing and it's constantly moving like I mean the Conor McGregor obviously is one example where it's just a constantly moving machine of things and even like at festivals I mean I know you took an amazing photograph of Dua Lipa mm. at like was it Longitude two years ago? Yeah Longitude yeah. I mean that's her hanging out backstage but I mean like, I guess those moments are kind of few and far between so how do you manage to like number one capture something that they're happy with mm. but also that you're like well that, is, that has my signature stamp on it because I mean like for me looking at a photograph I'm like that's a nice photograph I know very little about photography mm. so it just must be really interesting to kind of just be constantly moving but also I mean like are you a perfectionist is that like a thing? Definitely, yeah. Like I've been a perfectionist definitely since I was since I was a kid. Like in even just in school, and I used to draw a lot when I was a kid, and I was obsessed with with that as well. But I think because when I did the YouTube channel when I was fifteen, sixteen, when I was given time with an artist to film a video, they're like, right, you've ten minutes to get this. So like, I don't have time to set up lights or, you know what I mean. I have to work really quickly under the time I'm given, and uh, I think that was a really good kind of um, training ground for like finding the best light in a room and stuff like that so I was able to work really quickly and uh, it's the same at festivals if, I, if I'm doing portraits with an artist it's like you've 30 seconds to get the shot and I think the more I think photography is kind of like the biggest practice makes perfect skill where just the more you shoot the more you kind of recognise light in situations and the best locations to shoot things and the best lens to go with and yeah sometimes like I take a port like at festivals I take a portrait and I think oh, I wish I could have done that better but then some of them, like the Dulipa one, I was super happy with, and I wouldn't have changed it. It took 20 seconds to take the picture, but I wouldn't have changed anything. So, um, yeah, you just, I think, music photography and like trains you to work on the really quick time frames. But on the opposite kind of side of that, like going on tour with someone, like making that decision to basically mm. be in someone's company for three months or whatever it is, yeah. does that pose a, a challenge of like, oh Christ, I'm now going to be taking a photograph of the same person at pretty much like four or five times a day. Yeah. How do I make this interesting? And also, even from your own personal point of view, yeah. like you've just turned 22. Mm. Happy birthday, Christian, by the way. Happy birthday, Christian, uh, on Friday. <laughs> I mean, like, that's a big fucking commitment. I mean, are you, like, like, are you like, Jesus, like, am I ready for this? Like, is this... Because like, it just seems like a lot of what you've done has been, like, throwing into the, the deep end and, like, swimming with it. But yeah. at the same time, it does sound quite overwhelming. That was actually something that I really wanted to do because I've been shooting artists kind of once off or, like, once every time they come on tour here um, for, like, the last six years. So I'm, I'm constantly getting five minutes of somebody here and there and then five minutes of somebody else and then it's just I've shot tons and tons of artists but for short periods of time and I was actually thinking I was like I'd love to have more time with somebody to document them over a period and uh, my when I started getting offered tours it kind of came at that perfect time where I was like I'm ready to make a switch and start photographing somebody long term and documenting not just them on stage or taking a quick portrait but getting all the behind the scenes stuff and documenting the stuff that fans don't really usually get to see and so that came along at a really really nice time and the fans also is an aspect that you've kind of like come to know quite I'd say up close and personal really um, because you're essentially like they're living vicariously through you like mm -hmm. and obviously like with someone like Niall Horan who attracts 
a, a very very intense following, a very very devoted fan base. Kind of like you know we saw with, with One Direction and the yeah. pop world seems to you know kind of attract this kind of like 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 like, like situation. So. I mean, from your point of view, haven't been essentially like you know taken in as one of them. Like you're almost treated like the same. Like they think you're mm. a rock star. So, is that a strange thing to tr- try and become accustomed to? Absolutely, it's the weirdest thing in the world. All of a sudden, <laughs> I've got 20 million fucking uh, um, Niall Horan fans like tweet me every day. Like the gig will be over 30 seconds, and my DMs are flooded with "Where are the pictures for the show?" And I'm like, the gig finished two minutes ago. Calm down. And then if they're not up the next day. Like, Niall would always post the pictures from the last gig before the next gig starts. And they'd see that, but they'd still, like, go mental at me for, for not posting really, pictures. It's really, really crazy looking at your, like, Twitter at the moment. Because it just always kind of seems Twitter. like... It's like this weird thing where suddenly you're a part of this crew and there's these, like, people... Like, at one point you had this, like, Twitter account that was, like, Christian Tierney updates of, like, what you were doing. And it was, like, a Niall Horn fan who was following like as much as closely as possible what you were doing at all times yeah i mean it must have been crazy like that's that's crazy it wasn't me i promise it wasn't me. but like you just like you just have to realize I, I know that people are only interested in what i'm doing to get to nile and that like because i'm associated with nile so like i know that christian tierney updates isn't because they care about what i'm doing <laughs> you know what i mean um so that you just kind of put that to the back of your mind like it's it's that was the saddest thing, thing I've ever heard on the it's podcast. True though, but if 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 I let Christian Tierney updates Twitter go to my head, I'd be an asshole. <laughs> But, yeah. uh, but like at the same time, I mean, like like having a discourse because I've seen like a couple times you've had to put out like a direct tweet and being like saying it's not up to me when the photographs go up; it's it's up to management. Yeah, see, that's the thing. A lot of like the fans would think that I decide. I can just think that I can just release whatever photos I want. Whereas like I take these photographs for Nile like they're his photographs to do what he wants to do with them I give my my job is to give him the photographs and if he posts them he posts them if he doesn't he doesn't he does what he wants with them but I I don't have free reign to just post whatever I want and fans sometimes seem to think I do and go mad at me for not post or like like the fans from Chicago will like be like why aren't you posting more pictures of Chicago post more pictures of Chicago and I'm like I can't or one time like usually Niall would post maybe 8 to 10 pictures from a show and I'll post my favorite ones from that that I'm proud of, most proud of. So I might do like, I might do three, I might post all eight sometimes. But at a gig, if, if I wasn't happy with my photos from a gig, like if I thought the night before was better, I mightn't post them that day because I'm just not that interested. But now I will post them on his Instagram. So the fans have the pictures and I'll get angry DMs being like, how come you didn't post the pictures from Atlanta? Do you not like us? Do you not like Atlanta? Did you have a horrible time here? And I'm like, no, I just... Didn't feel like posting on Instagram today. One of my favorite things that I saw, there was one day when you just posted a photograph of Dublin, or maybe you just said, I'm back in Dublin or something, and like, in the responses, which came along very, very fast, someone kind of went, oh, I'm, I'm having like a study day at home, and I wish I was in a city as pretty as Dublin, please post more photos. And then I'd say about like, 45 seconds went by, and then the same person posted, why aren't you posting the photograph, Christian? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Like, Where's the fucking photograph, there was also There was also a day where I like posted like, I I would I tweeted some like really stupid joke and then I following it I tweeted something like really solemn about like mental health or something and then I tweeted I was like isn't it hilarious I can go from talking about something really stupid to talking about mental health on Twitter and then the re- one reply to it was tweet about Niall <laughs> <laughs> and I was like that was annoying so. I've actually I've filtered my Twitter recently so that I only get notifications from people I follow and it's the best. You know they're going to listen to this, right? And like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so. Halfway through that sentence, I realized that. <laughs> 
and I went on now. He had a big smile on his face when he was saying it. I he, loved him. Like, he 90, 99% of them, the fans, <laughs> are, are lovely people. It's just that small percentage that just go mad at me. Okay, Not let's bring me. it back to you, though, uh, because obviously you've come home soon, and you were kind of saying that, like, being on tour, it just blurred into one big, strange thing for you. Mm. And, it, like, it, up was down, down was up. And since you've been home, you were saying to me, like, it took about a week to even just get back to normal. I mean, are you still absolutely shattered? I'm getting back... No, I'm back, like, two and a half weeks now, and I'm starting to, like, readjust. The first week, was an, I was an absolute mess. Because, like, you, you, I was away, essentially, since March. So it was, like, a six-month tour. Um, and then that last run was two and a half months unbroken. So that was two and a half months without seeing anybody except the ten people that I lived on tour bus with and the crew living on a tour bus, living in hotels. And, like, that kind of becomes... That becomes your normal, and you feel like, oh, this is what normal life is like. And then you come back to Dublin and it's like you realise very quickly that what you're living is not normal life at all. And then, uh, Jesus, who's wrestling Yeah, there upstairs? appears to be like a Niall Horan fan w- running w- down w- the e. stairs. Like, yeah. is it Christian? <laughs> um, yeah, and it's, it's, it's weird, like, readjusting to that and, like, there's a massive, like, come down as well. And, like, I had, like, really bad, really bad anxiety and mental health issues last week just trying to deal with that, just being, like, coming down from having... It's it's weird, like, you get into, like, a there's a momentum to it. Like, you're used to doing something every single day, every single night, we have something on. And, like, if we don't have a gig, we go out in a city we're in, and it's like, you're used to doing that, and then you get home, and there's, like, all of a sudden, you're, there's nothing to do, and you're like, I feel like I should still be going out every night and doing things all the time, and kind of letting yourself relax, learning how to, like, not feel like I need to be doing something all the time is kind of the most important thing as well. I mean, that kind of leads to the question then as well. I mean, you did that massive, massive tour, and obviously it has a pretty heavy mm. toll on you kind of mentally and in general. I mean, would you do it again? Is it, is it what something Absolutely, you want to yeah. do from now on kind of thing? Or Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I want to tour forever, but it's definitely something I want to do for a while anyway. Okay. Like, that's obviously the negative side of it, just, like, that readjusting period. And, like, obviously you have ups and downs, and it gets monotonous sometimes, but the the good parts of it are the best thing in the world. Because like, it's, it's, it's just always this thing where, it, I mean you're relatively young for what you've done mm. and you, you seem to have done so much in such a broad range of stuff I mean like I mean what are your goals from now on like I mean you seem to have done so much already that's an existential crisis I actually also had last week <laughs> and I was like I don't know because when I started out when I was like 15 and I thought my goal one of my, my probably my biggest goal was I, I want to get on a big tour with a big artist at some point in my life and if I was told when I was 15 that by the time I'm 50 I'd be able to do that. I would have absolutely freaked out. And now I've done it. And I did it by the time I was 21. And I'm like, what do I, what do I want to do now? Because I, I achieved that goal earlier than I anticipated. And um, I don't know. I'm, I'm happy with how things are going at the moment. Um, I'd love to tour with different artists. And like, because every tour is different and every show is different and every artist is different. So um, like even spending six months with Conor McGregor was like completely different altogether from spending six months with Niall. So... Um, I definitely want to do it more. Uh, I don't think I'll do it forever, but I don't know. We'll see. I'm kind of at the moment. I'm happy to just kind of things are kind of naturally evolving and naturally yeah, yeah. moving on themselves. So I'm just going to kind of go with it and see how it goes. Great. As someone who's like self-taught as well, I mean, like you pretty much like do you, you probably get a lot of people asking you for advice and that kind of thing. I mean, like, and it, it does seem that like your career path isn't one that is handed down in like the school structure or yeah. college. Like so, uh, for people who want to kind of 
follow what you've done. I mean, like, like, how do you feel about that? And how do you feel about like the lack of? I mean, obviously, you know, you're independent. I presume you've got like a supportive family dynamic or whatever. Yeah. But like, you've pretty much had to do it all yourself. So, yeah. like, w- like, what would you say to someone who's like 15, 14, and like wants to go on tour with Dua Lipa or something like? I mean, yeah, I think a lot, of, a lot of people DM me like that, and they're like, oh, how can I? Or like people who just bought a camera, being like, oh, nobody's letting, nobody's giving me photo passes for shows. It's like, well, who have you tried to get a photo pass for? And they're like, oh, I'm trying to get, trying to shoot Rihanna. It's like you just got a camera. Like I, I was shooting bands that nobody knew for five years before I ever shot anybody that some people people did know. And it is one a thing like that where you have to build it up. And I was lucky that I started when I was quite young and put all that groundwork in while I was still in school so like I didn't really have any responsibilities or anything I could take take risks and stuff like that um, but yeah it is people ask me for advice all the time and because I never like it's not something you can go to college for I just learned the basics of photography from, from YouTube tutorials and then just practiced and practiced and practiced and kind of learned by trial and error I suppose but it's a weird thing where there's no like support system or there's no like every other job has like a like there's like a director's guild where you're represented and you have rights Some kind and of union, all that yeah, kind of yeah. stuff for unions and stuff where there's absolutely nothing for photographers so like if I'm like a big thing for photographers is like negotiating fees so like if a major band comes and they go cool we want you to come on tour for six months uh, how much money do you want for it and it's like there's no standard there's no um, set rate and um you kind of just have to ask other photographers, but then from asking other photographers, you realise that every no, nobody really has a clue how to deal with those kind of things, and um, that's why I'm actually I'm trying to like look for agents and stuff at the moment because it's you can't really get an agent unless you're like in kind of the top tier of photographers. Um, so the people at the top have people doing that for them, but starting out it's very difficult and it's something you kind of have to figure out yourself. And it's such a new thing as well. Like ten years ago, musicians didn't have personal photographers with them 24-7 the same way they do now and so um, everyone's kind of just figuring it out it's such a new thing but um, but yeah that's well I guess lastly I mean it's worth reiterating that you are a huge music fan and a huge pop music fan as well so I mean like having not just been up close to it now in in terms of like the tours you've been on and how much of a daily part of your life it was but also being an actual part of it Mm. has that at all changed your relationship with music? Um. I don't know. I still love music as much as I ever did. Um, on tour, you don't really get to listen to music as much as you'd want because, like, you just hear his music all day and, like, sound check. But, like, you just don't really have that much downtime. So, like, I got home and I realised that, like, I haven't really listened to any new music at all in the last while. Um, just check out some music podcasts. <laughs> There's one called No Encore, I think. It's yeah, I think it's pretty good. It's not bad, yeah. It's pretty uh, good. But even Maren <laughs> Morris, uh, who sings on The Middle, the big hit this year um, country artist from Nashville was supporting us for the whole US run uh, well she wasn't supporting us I'm not in the band but she was supporting Niall and um, no no own it uh, <laughs> and like I heard her songs every day as well when she was supporting us and then I, I sat down and listened to her album for the first time yesterday and I was like geez, these are amazing but like it's my first like I hear her songs every day but I didn't get a chance to actually listen to the songs not live for the whole two and a half months, and it, that kind of was like, "Jesus, I haven't listened to anything." Uh, but I still love music as much as as much as I ever did. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll let you go and catch up on some now. So, ladies and gentlemen, that was Christian Journey. <laughs> Thank segue. you. Thanks. Thanks. 
And coming up next, our Songs of the Week section, which is always enjoyable. But first, uh, a quick announcement that uh, we'll be coming back to the Workman's Club on Wednesday, the 19th of December for the No Encore Quiz of the Year. Everyone loves a good quiz, so... Yeah, see? You hear that? Yeah, there you go. Quiz. Everyone fucking loves it. It's great. So we're going to do that. It'll be like this, except just questions. Lots (laughs) of them. And it'll be lots of good fun. Uh, And also, after the show, we're probably going to go next door to the Bison Bar for a few drinks, so do join us. Yeah, do stick Um, around. But first, as we settle into our Songs of the Week... Tahi, what have you got for us? Uh, the songs of the week? Yeah. Uh, we're well, going we to play, play some tunes. Our first one that we have coming up is uh, a favorite, I'm sure, of. It's of a big all return, of us. isn't it? Big return. Big fucking return. All right. Um, this is uh, the new Boyzone track. So, uh, yeah. How you plan, and when you've lost all hope, that's when you'll understand. Maybe it's my mistake. I say too much too late. Till we communicate again. Don't hide when the rain falls. If it's easy, then it can't be long. Before we lose it all. Before we lose. Craig and Colm, I've never seen a more dramatic entrance in my life. Right I mean, yeah, like we did. discussed. Like, it seemed like a good idea that we came back as Boyzone played, but it just seemed <laughs> weird. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> I don't know, I was just enjoying the interval, so are we going to bring Christian on now, is it, boys? Yeah, 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 Christian's about to come up and talk, and talk to us, yeah, he's, yeah. he's got Great. lots to Can't say. Can't wait to have the chats. Yeah. Where, did you hit your head or something? Or, <laughs> like, so yeah, boys on, I guess, you know, they saw that Westlife were coming back, so I guess they decided, fuck it, let's do it as well. Now, I'm going to be honest, I haven't done my full research on this one. Uh, oh, come on. Is it all of them? It's four of them. One Four of them. Of them. Yeah, I know that one of them died, though. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ. I wasn't actually, I wasn't in any way trying to, like... <laughs> yes, one of them tragically died, and like that's fine. I can confirm that Mikey Graham is involved, yes. Thank you, that's, yeah. that was the real Mikey question I was back. getting at. Yeah. What a bang. So um, this doesn't sound like them at all. It sounds like take all that. the voices have changed. Yeah, it sounds like take well, that. it is written, written by, by Gary Barlow. Barlow. Oh, yeah. right. I didn't okay. know that. Yeah, well, so, there you well, go. Good, you see, because good. like I, I heard this track and I was just like, somebody's been listening to Patience <laughs> when they were trying to get ideas of how to make a comeback. Yeah, and it turns out it was Gary Barlow. Um, it, yeah, it really. <laughs> He's been listening to Patience. Yeah, his own song. What does that even look like, though? You know, I mean, I don't know. I just kind of feel like. It's it's not the year of the comeback because there's always going to be a comeback. But it's not the year of the boys on comeback. No. Um, well, they're doing a three arena show. Right? Yeah, unfortunately Maybe for them. Um, do we need boys on back in our lives? No. I feel like they've tried to do it before. The people have rejected them, <laughs> and now they're back. <laughs> I mean, not the, for good. the one thing that I'll say is like you know something that we touched on a couple of months ago when we talked about the All Saints record is you know like what is this band meant to sound like in 2018 and who are they meant to actually be selling records to or well not selling records because it's 2018 but <laughs> who are they meant to be talking Deep to so to speak you know what I mean <laughs> but no but as in like you know is this the sort of music that the people who originally listened to Boyzone might appreciate now. I think it probably I mean, I'm not is. Con- yeah, it could yeah. be. I'm not absolutely convinced. It's a bit fucking maudlin. Like, I mean, it's a bit... Well, it, it is, but at they, the same time, yeah. if, like, as in, if they brought out, like, Love Me For A Reason Mark II, everyone would be like, what are you doing here in your fucking 40s? <laughs> so, you know, I think this makes sense. Yeah. It doesn't make a lot of musical sense, though. I mean, the, the lyrics are super weird, though, right, as well. It's, like, very kind of, you know, they're like, well, you know, if you're, if you're not having enough pain, then it probably yeah. isn't low. It's a bit miserable. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's I didn't really like weird. that kind of, yeah, that hook line whatsoever. The tune itself, I mean, the chorus is fine because it's Gary Barlow. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I mean, like, he's a genius. Yeah. He, he doesn't have to pay tax. He's that good at music. <laughs> it's not bad. 
What we got next, Ollie? Uh Next, we have uh, one of uh, our favorite pop stars, I presume. Uh, Secret is you, next. You presume, do you? You presume? You presume? Just for looking out of touch, out freaking out. Cause I'm scared, it's mighty fine, but I still come back. The award for most dramatic clip selection cut down goes to <laughs> Craig Fitzpatrick. You. Nice, you gave us a bit of the bridge there, a bit of the auto tune, and then the big kick in the point where I was like, something's wrong, something's wrong with the audio. Uh, yeah, no. the auto tune kind of took me for a loop. Yeah, it's strange. Uh, Sigrid is a big success story. She was a huge, huge fixture of Electric Picnic this year. She played two sets on the same day, and it, they were very, very it was good. Really good. We were at the other voices. Yeah, she was at other voices, and then she was in the main stage at like uh, the Electric Arena or something. Yeah, yeah. And everyone was like, it was so emotional that she cried when the crowd like sang her and song listen she cries when her toast is done like, <laughs> like seriously it takes nothing at all like toast is a very emotional experience for a toast lot of people I'll have you know um, but she yeah she kind of does that she's got the whole you know relatable cool you know she's just like us thing going on yeah I she's mean, an amazing performer but I've contended that the songs aren't quite there I think this song might not be there. That was I, I this is very trend chasing. A, yeah, it is very it is, trend. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Actually, there's a, there's a very kind of strange moment where she does a kind of like a a work down moment. It's almost kind of Taylor Swift kind of uh, a feeling of that. It's like kind of a I don't know. She's well known for her like really really proper hooks and like these really really powerful moments. Um, I think the chorus kind of does have that, but there's other parts in this that are kind of they just don't really feel like that kind of. She did kind of talk about this song being written almost in kind of two separate parts and it being a problem process of stitching the yeah. verses and the chorus together and that makes a lot of sense when you hear it it sounds like that yeah for, like does. the chorus for me is a banger i think this is a huge just like textbook pop chorus the problem is that everything else in the song does sound like it's it, sort yeah, it of falls a bit it's kind of being crowbarred the in problem there. is that it's fucking halloween in two weeks like this is like summer jam are you getting your <laughs> seasonal affective disorder i'm getting here, my yeah. music seasonal affective yeah. disorder i hope i don't actually have I mean, seasonal affective disorder i didn't hate this i thought it was Probably quite do. decent the production was yeah a bit transgating but like well done and the cor- yeah the chorus is great it's fine so it just feels like I, I can't really buy into her why but I really? haven't I haven't seen her live oh there you go so, mate yeah this might be it but the voice like kind of does nothing for me it's, oh man right. it's a no, bit no. like she sounds like controversial <laughs> you <laughs> got ourselves a hater the, here the crowd you know like when that? you're like on YouTube and you go into like any news story and there's this weirdly like half automated voice just telling you about like you want actual footage but it's someone reporting about the thing to you it's just like Drake was in a nightclub and then such and such happened and he cried this she sounds like that reporter or robot <laughs> It's that's, a bit, it's a that's weird the auto tune. Yeah, yeah. This know. isn't terribly. Well, do you know what? When Cher used auto tune, I was like, "That's still Cher." <laughs> All right, so. All right, we'll move on from yeah, the we'll from on. the vicious beating you're giving Norwegian <laughs> wholesome Norwegian pop sensation Sigrid. The next up is uh, Anderson Pack uh, featuring Kendrick Lamar. So I can live with a peace of mind without niggas taking a peace of mind and peace be still and not do fine. So fuck a fix it ticket. You pull me over and might see one of your bitches. Right, so uh, on the scale of Kendrick kind of phoning in a feature <laughs> versus really bringing it, uh, what number dot he? Uh, out of ten. Out of ten, uh, three. Five. 
I'll split the difference for it, but yeah, it's yeah. low. It's a bit generic for Kendrick. You know, what, you know what? I'm hitting this theory right now, okay? Where Kendrick brings to a song the same sort of intensity that his collaborator does. Okay, because mm. we, we, we see when it's somebody like Lil Wayne or Danny yeah, Brown who's pouring yeah. it out there. Kendrick is on his fucking A game. But is, is it what they're bringing to it or is it, it like how much he respects them as an artist, maybe? No, I don't think so because I think, I think he respects Anderson Pack. I think they have a, a lot in common. I think, like, you know, they, they shared a track on one of Dr- Dre's record on Compton. Yeah. Like, I don't think there's any reason that he would phone it in for this. However, I think that subject matter-wise, this is another example of Anderson Pack seemingly taking a bit of a victory lap here. We yeah. said it with Bubbling a couple of months ago. You know, like, the dude was responsible for two of the best albums of 2016 with Malibu and with the No Worries record, Yes yeah. I think here he's having fun, and I think, as a result, Kendrick is just like, oh, like we're just having a laugh yeah, here. I, this isn't serious business. I I agree because I want him to be like bigger than Bruno Mars. So he's like, it's not time for the victory. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like the victory's inside. That's the scale, is it? Keep that's going. Yeah, keep going. Like, don't have your victory lap yet. Just have some. Yeah, no, I agree. Smash um, hits and then you don't need tints just yet. Yeah. Especially because <laughs> the beat <laughs> you need is some more awesome. <laughs> Like, I think the beat is awesome. I, th- uh, I, I think it's very vanilla. I think it absolutely, I think I think I think it absolutely carries exactly through that sort of... It's exactly what you would expect from a track like this. There isn't any very explorative like production in here. And I think you're probably right. Like It's kind of this thing where uh, you get out of Kendrick Lamar what you give him. So, you know, like with the Lil Wayne verse is like... Very a radical <laughs> song. <laughs> it, was it was like a new radical Kendrick. song. Uh, like you, so you, like you, you get like this kind of very strange, very narrative-driven thing from Lil Wayne and then like Kanye, or Kendrick just steps up and it's like this incredible moment kind of thing this feels like a very pain by numbers anderson pack it does yeah it's still very enjoyable Sorry, i love it's the you song said, of the summer i love that you said uh, <laughs> it's, like, in October. it's like a new radical song uh new the, radical sorry, yeah, the, the, right. more than yeah one. it's called tints it's about it's an ode to privacy about how he wants to have tinted windows on his car or his tour bus because he's too popular now um the album's coming out next month it's called oxnard very exciting we've had two singles from it this is one of them so yeah it's kind of that thing yeah, of like yeah I, I feel like this is just a light, it's very lightweight it's fine jam. it's lightweight i'm sure it'll be far from the best I just want more ex- like really exciting production on this stuff. Like, I mean, he's an incredible musician. You see in those like NPR desk concerts, and like, also like incredibly, you know, like, such a play was made of the fact Dre is producing this, and it's clear. Oh, he's just exact producing yeah. on it. There's no Dre. You fall a couple times I know. Yeah. I, I will still keep falling because it's Doctor Dre. All right, two more songs to go. Back into the pop well. Next one is one of my favorites, which is uh, Charlie XCX uh, and Troy Sivian Savan. So I have no idea how to pronounce his name. I have no idea how to pronounce his name. 1999 is the name of the track. Yes, 1999. In 1999, I saw the Blair Witch Project, and uh, to this scared? day, to this day, it has haunted me. <laughs> and I'm glad that I finally have a forum in which to discuss it. Since, yeah. Uh, yeah, organically, as it were. So the Blair Witch Project, you may have known, was a bit of a uh, success story, uh, a phenomenon, if you will. Uh, low budget, independent. They really used a thing called the internet at the time, and uh, it just took off, lads. It just took <laughs> off, you know. I went to see it with my brother and my sister. Right, my brother had seen it in America because it was that weird thing back in the day where you had six months in between the releases yeah, and yes, stuff so yeah. I'd heard all about this so we went along and um, after he getting... got off the steamboat yeah, <laughs> the yeah with his, his two big suitcases <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, anyway, so very good. I enjoyed you that. You should see <laughs> the new world, Dave. <laughs> so anyway, went to the local cinema in Drogheda. Uh, the old Screen 6 was pretty good. And uh, sat there. And I was, en- I was enjoying the horror film. My sister wasn't. And it was getting towards the end. And she was like, I think I have to go. I have to get out of here. I'm, I'm not feeling this. And my brother was like, no, 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 no. This is the, this is the ending. This is the last scene. Now, spoilers for The Blair Witch Project. Doesn't end well for the people <laughs> who were making the, the Blair Witch Project film. But yeah, that last shot in the house, you know, your man standing yeah. against the wall. Um, it really hit me. But it didn't hit me until many hours later. My sister walked home bawling her eyes out crying. And I was fine until it was bedtime. And then I freaked out. So, yeah. To this day. To this day, lads, the Blair Witch Project <laughs> is an extremely scary film, and I'll hear, I won't hear a word against it. Is that so? Did you just have flashbacks okay. of the Blair Witch Project while listening to this? Sorry, what, what, what are we talking about? Pop banger. <laughs> oh, Charlie, Charlie X, 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 X. X. Yeah. <laughs> Well, to be First fair, to be fair, I, I, like my pop culture riff, uh, riff is reflected in the music video for this. Mm-hmm. We say that music videos don't really mean anything anymore. But Charlie XCX has put all of... No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, yeah, hold on a second. No, 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 I hear you, music video director. Uh, <laughs> I'm not saying that, okay? Some people are. Uh, they're over... They're, they're in the back. Uh, so basically, right, yeah, so the video is all, like, you know, old pop songs and pop culture, like, dressing up like The Matrix, dressing up like Marilyn Manson and Rose McGowan, mm-hmm. Spice Girls videos, etc. It's Charlie XCX having a fun time, but yet again... She can't release a song that doesn't have a million hooks in it. It's ridiculous. Like, I, if you tell me that she was a cyborg, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. I think she's bangers, great, like, by the way. Top to bottom. Yeah, she's fucking incredible. Uh, I presume A.G. Cook is the producer in this again. Who's I believe so. Quite a well-known piece yeah. of music person. Um, I really like this track, as usual. Um, I wouldn't say it's her, her, her best tra- like track. There's a couple of like moments where it's not like the strongest thing in the history of the world. Is that Troy Sivian? Uh, yeah, I don't think he brings much to it, to be honest. Yeah, he doesn't bring a huge no. amount to it. Um, the, there is an argument to be made that like this is at the same tempo and energy and octane as like the last like whatever five or six that she's released um which might lead you to believe that there's like maybe this is what you're going to get every single time so maybe like some some kind of left field thing might be better after this but um yeah you would love to see this live i mean it's a banger she's kind of redefined what pop music is in terms of how she releases it it's just like here's a song enjoy it call them i fucking hate this (laughs) right and i'll tell you why right because i had it with these nostalgic pop oh, tracks, yeah, yeah. which just make no sense whatsoever, right? <laughs> yeah. In 1999, yes. Charlie XCX was seven years old, right? Preach. Troy Sivan was four. <laughs> They're on this track going like, oh, remember those good old days in 1999? And it's like, what, your mom still wiped your arse? What are you trying to relive here? The joy of bedtime? <laughs> no, he was four. Right, okay. Not, uh, Again. It's not a road. Yeah, a road but, I don't want to go but down. This is nonsense. This is like, remember Anne-Marie's track of 2002? Yeah. And it's Hate like, it. what, she's scoring with blokes on the top of a Mustang in Essex, aged eight. <laughs> and this is more of it. What sort of nostalgia could you possibly have for 99? You barely remember Poetic it. license, Cullum. She's oh, a songwriter. I mean, she's she's not. That's actually a fair point because I mean, I would say most of the people as a target audience of a, of a pop art would be say whatever twenty five down. So like everybody is younger. It's than... Cynical, it's cynical, I think. Wow. And also, Charlie XTX, I love, but I'm worried now she's a person that would happily get aboard the Venga bus or go to an ironic nineties <laughs> college night. Do you know what I mean? It's just like uh, this whole thing of like late nineties nostalgia. I'm sorry, I was alive, right? I was 11, I was hating it. It was rubbish. (laughs) It was not a good era for music. It was crap. Okay, you're right, really? Yeah, think about it. Uh, Two words, mate, Limp Bizkit. (laughs) (laughs) New Metal was just about to kick in. (laughs) We can all enjoy that. 
Dahi, please play the next song, otherwise I'll talk about new metal for as long as I talk about the Blair Witch Project. <laughs> uh, the next song is from uh, Irish artist Paul Noonan. Your friend. Yes, having been discovered by Dahi earlier this summer, <laughs> Paul Noonan goes out on his own with his debut single, Moths to Your Flame. I, of course, was hoping that it was a Metallica cover. It's not. Um, but yeah, no. he's gone all smooth as silk. It's pretty cool, isn't What's it? What's going on here? Um, I was in the room when he was uh, working out this track for a little while. I really so. thought that sentence was, was I was in the room when he was working out. Yeah, yeah. Please tell us about Paul Noonan's workout routine. The coolest thing about this track is that he was actually, all of the drum beats from this track are written on like an app that he did on his phone. And he was like, you know these like drum machines? You should really get into these drum machines. I was like, yeah, yeah, I know, yeah. And he's like only just discovering all these like amazing synthesizers and drum machines now, but through apps. I don't think we're getting an unbiased review here for <laughs> probably, it's probably incredibly biased, but uh, it was just amazing because he, he's like he, he's he's really really exploring all these like brand new sounds, and uh, yeah, I really really like this track. You know how how biased he is because it was clear to me based on what you said there that like he was t- showing you something that you'd known for years. He's like, "Are you aware of these drum machines?" <laughs> and you're like, "Yeah, I, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, they're okay. pretty cool, man." Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I think it's a good track, right? It's a good track. It's enjoyable. Uh, I'm getting James Blake from it. Personally. Yeah, really? Yeah. A little bit. No. I really like it. I think it's great, and I think it's. <laughs> I, 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 I think I think it suits him as well because it does suit him. Yeah, his voice and that that sort of like tender quality to his voice, which he uses at times, certainly. Well, look, I mean, I'll confess, I kind of wrote Bell X One off as like one of those like standard Irish indie bands for a long time, and then when I finally got into them, I was like, oh no, hang on, there's actually a lot more to it than just what I thought there was, and I think he anchors that quite well. So it's no surprise to me that he's doing this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's a enjoyable jumble. Uh, I always kind of like Bell X One just. Primarily due to his kind of lyrical prowess and yeah, stuff. It's the Irish turn of phrase thing. Is like yeah, that. and like in the early years when they're having kind of lots of big hits, it was kind of like he was, uh, he was trying to impress, obviously, and he was kind of just, uh, you know, uh, some of his turns of phrase were great, but a lot of the hit songs were kind of overstuffed with stuff. In the last few years, it seems like they've kind of taken a step back. He's aware of his ability, I guess, and he's just very confident and he's doing stuff much more naturally, possibly. Yeah, Bellex One have got a lot more experimental in terms of synths and stuff on recent records. This is going further again. I think it really suits them. I think that kind of futuristic R&B thing, I like how it plays against the themes of him like being a bit goofy and trying to be a bit suave and blah, blah, blah. And it's like got a nice kind of national thing to it as well. Yeah, it's just yeah. like, you know, the struggles of, you know, people in their 30s. The other 40s. thing that I like, like about Bellex One's progression is that when you take Dave Garrity's and Paul Noonan's solo output, yeah. you can actually see the sort of strands that are being woven together in the band itself. Yeah, I really like this. All right, that was the song of the week. The show is almost over, uh, which gives me one more chance to announce that, yeah, we're doing a quiz in December. Come to that. We're going to go to the Bison next door after this is over. Come to that. But uh, we're now going to say goodbye to uh, Craig and Cullum once again, as I fire you for the second time. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, everyone. Cheers, guys. Thank you. And please welcome to the stage our second act of the evening, the incredible Lilla Vargan. Um, 
really, really great to have you on the stage. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you very much for having me. This is comfier than I thought it was going to be. It's It's pretty comfy, yeah. Yeah, It's a decent couch. It's nice. Lily, you've been kind of going for like about two or three years now. Um, Like when I first came across you, there was this amazing thing where it was kind of like you were like whispered about in all these like emails that people were sending around where it was like, there's this up and coming artist who's going to be like absolutely blow the water like out of everybody and like really, really like... Um, like just be amazing and uh, like you kind of you you started writing tracks and were kind of released a couple of tracks in a kind of a row and they've kind of absolutely exploded on on Spotify can you like you told me this really interesting story about how you kind of started at first where you kind of you didn't know you were kind of a singer but like until a certain moment right yeah um, this is a weird story I'm gonna have to like try and put it in a nutshell because it's long and annoying Um <laughs> But um, I don't know how many years ago that was, maybe like six or seven years ago. And um, I was just like out on a night out with a few friends and we bumped into these two guys from Norway who were very nice and they insisted they come back to our house to play music. (laughs) That's what it was, playing music, okay? People don't get any ideas. Um, And that's exactly what we did. We came back and they were in a band and they were playing songs and they were like, you guys have to sing now. And I was like... No, and then at this stage I'd already written like a lot of songs but never show, shown them to anybody. Um, and so then I started singing a song and they were like, this is great, this is great. Like, are there any open mic nights out, like here tomorrow? And I was like, sure, like loads. Um, and then I just thought they were gonna leave and I would never see them again. And then the next day at six o'clock, they came back to my house and said that they <laughs> just sounds like I'm going to be kidnapped, um, sorry, um, said that they uh, wanted to go to this open mic night with me. So I went and um, we sang a couple of songs and I think that was the moment I realised because this is, it just sounds so weird, but whenever I was singing it, like every word, it just went, it went quiet, like, and I'd never had that experience before because, well, it was always quiet because I was just singing to myself, yeah, um, yeah. basically. Um, so that was the moment I thought like, well, I mean, if this room of people likes it, then maybe some other people will yeah. like it too. And then it kind of as quite a kind of a rare thing. You basically jumped straight into songwriting as well as singing, right? That was like one of the first mm-hmm. things that you did, which is pretty rare. You know, it usually takes a long people to a long time for people to kind of get into the songwriting section as well, right? Yeah, but I think I had done it secretly for like right, a yeah. long time, so yeah. it was just kind of like a, like a thing that I did just yeah. because. I wanted to, like, and just I, for myself. Like, I've seen you work before, and you have this kind of natural talent of, like, you basically just sing stuff out, and it just kind of comes out all in one big jumble, right? That's, like, kind of how you work a lot of the Sometimes, time. Sometimes, right? I don't know. Like, if it's a good day, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, it just depends, I suppose. Like, if you're if you're in the right mood for it, I think, creatively, then that, that can happen. But sometimes... Like it just doesn't. So I mean, maybe you were there. You were there on a good day, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, I mean, like you kind of. You, you, I mean, obviously the songs are like incredibly well received. You've got a huge amount of kind of coverage on Spotify and everything. Um, and then you started kind of doing really kind of proper touring and really performing live in the last say year or so, or I guess two years mm-hmm. or something like that. And I mean, I know you you found that quite hard at the start. I mean, it was it was one of the more difficult things that you've done. And mm-hmm. I mean, I saw you at a couple of festivals this year, and there was this amazing kind of you've really nailed the band and you've really kind of got this idea of having this team behind you, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, like, it took a while to get that sort of the way I wanted it because yeah. I think when you're starting out and you're doing something new, um, you don't really know what you want to sound like at the very start and 
you go through people like I had people like Ryan Veal helped me. Mm-hmm. You even helped me out on one yeah, occasion, yeah, right, yeah. Um, which was great. Um, and just like a few other people, and then it just took took time and to get it right. And now I, the guys that are with me are really really good. So yeah. Uh, Dahi kind of mentioned Spotify there. I mean, your track Downtown recently passed five million plays. Like, is that one of those things that like you pay attention to, or is it just so unfathomable? Does it really mean anything in the grand scheme of things? Or I don't know. Like sometimes I try not to go on to it like that much, but then if I do go on and I like I saw that day, I was like, oh, that's cool. Like <laughs> there it is, five million. Like I didn't. It's not something you think is ever going to happen because I know you put music on Spotify and you think nobody's ever going to listen to it so for me it's i don't look at it that much but it does mean something to me for sure yeah it's that new kind of weird thing for musicians i guess that they wouldn't have had to deal with say 10 20 years ago i mean like Mm -hmm. it's it's there it is indicative of success to a degree but it's not tangible so i mean it just must be an odd thing to kind of be like yeah i mean that's that's great that that's happening but i don't know what kind of relationship you might have with it yeah it's a funny thing because it doesn't necessarily mean you've got a fan base because it's just playlists so you can be on whatever playlist and they might listen to that one song over and over again or whatever but it doesn't mean that they're going on to your page to listen to all the rest of your tracks so it's it doesn't necessarily mean that you've got this large following it just sometimes means that you've been lucky with the playlist you've been chosen on which is (laughs) such a weird thing to think about really because you you see like big numbers and you think oh like this is great but um sometimes it's more difficult than it seems um like yeah, I mean, like you, you always seem to kind of ha- have that idea where you're kind of you're 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 writing as much as possible, right? Like that's your kind of thing. And I, I mean, I guess you're releasing tracks pretty regularly all the time. I mean, how does your usual kind of day to day kind of like working? Like you must be like trying to write as much as possible, and then uh, like I mean, you trying to like work on a craft, or, or how is it working at the moment? Um, just trying to get time to do it because like I I don't do this full time at the minute like um so I work as well so it's kind of a balance of trying to take time out to be able to do it because it's important like so um just getting the time to do it and also like I said before like it's it's hard because you can't I can't just sit down and be like okay so today I'm gonna write a great song and that's the way it's gonna be it doesn't work like that Mm -hmm. so it just takes a lot of time and energy and patience to just be yeah, like yeah. sit down there and do it like yeah, stay yeah. there as long as you have to to get it right you, you tend to travel a lot and kind of work with other um kind of producers and kind of writers and stuff mm-hmm. um do you find that that like varies the output wildly or is it like very very easy to work with other people i guess it's a really important skill to have right um i don't know like i i love it that's probably like my favorite part yeah. about well like i love i just love doing music but it's been one of the best things ever just to get to work with people that do that all the time. Like, it's, it's strange to think about because whenever I started, um, like, going out to write with other people, like, you probably know this, I was, like, I panic about anything. Like, I'm the biggest, like, the world's biggest panicker. And I was like, I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm going to go there. Everyone's going to hate me. They're going to send me back to Ireland. Um, <laughs> and um, I don't know, it didn't work out that way. And it's like, it was grand. And yeah. it was, it's, it's just one of the most rewarding things ever to go into a room with someone and then come out with like something you've made is, it's just great. On that note, Dahi and I are going to vacate the stage so you can perform. Okay. Uh, thank you so much for coming here tonight. Thank you as well to Paddy and to Christian and to all of you for coming out and spending yeah, your Sunday with us. Really appreciate Cheers. it. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, a little bargain to play us out tonight. Thank you. <laughs>
for some more sad songs. Yay! Woo! Gotta love those sad songs, people. Um, that's basically all I can do, sad songs, so, yeah. Uh, but I'm okay, though. People are always, people always are like, hey, are you all, who hurt you? Like, I'm, I'm, nobody hurt me, I'm fine. I'm okay. This is a really sad one. It's like, just get your tissues out, guys.
played was called Hold On. I think I was supposed to say that, but I don't really have a great memory, um, which is strange because I seem to remember all the lyrics. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, so first one was called Hold On. That was the ones who truly loved me. I hope somebody cried because I really tried hard there. So this is a new song. I think this is going to be my last song, and it is called uh, Why Wait. 
and I just want to say thanks very much for having me on the show. It was great. Thank you very much. podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.